Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. This week's OIS Podcast is sponsored by Alcon, the global leader in eye care. Alcon provides innovative products that enhance quality of life by helping people worldwide to see better. Through surgical, pharmaceutical, and vision care, Alcon offers the world's widest spectrum of ophthalmic products, helping millions of patients see the world better with clarity, color, and beauty. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. This is Tom Salemi, your host. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is our old friend, Mark Blumenkrantz. Mark has been uh, on the show a bit, but never about this topic, digital health. Digital health is very important to Mark. He is one of those uh, rare birds who's able to take his... uh, his expertise in medtech and biotech and, and apply it to digital health. We'll get into that in this conversation. Of course, of course, according to Mark, it's easy, but uh, he makes a lot of things look easy. But in this talk today, we're going to talk about uh, how Mark saw an opportunity for digital health tools in ophthalmology, and more importantly, what opportunities lie ahead for digital health. And the reason we're having this conversation, other than I just enjoy talking to Mark, is Mark is working with the FDA and several of the uh, the leading uh, academies, including AAO and ASCSRS and ASRS, to put on a workshop. It's happening on October 23rd in Gaithersburg, Maryland. It's called the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop. And it's a great event for anyone, uh, physicians, uh, entrepreneurs, investors, anyone who has an interest in digital health and, and is interested in learning where it fits in ophthalmology. If you want to attend, you need to register. The deadline is, I believe, October 17th, and uh, you want to get in there early. So we'll include a link to the uh, website for the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop. It's a little too long for me to read. But if you go on Google and uh, just search Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop, it'll come up. And again, it's affiliated with several different academies, so you'll actually get, get uh, different entries for the same event. So it's not that hard to find. But it looks like a, a great event. We're hoping to have someone there from our OIS editorial team to cover it and to, to bring the news to you. But you should be there firsthand because it sounds as if it's going to be a great uh, sort of back-and-forth day where lots of conversations between speakers and attendees. So if this is an area of interest to you, you should set aside this day. Now let's get into this conversation with Mark Blumenkrantz of Stanford. But before I let you go, I need to remind you of our event, of course, OAS at AO is happening on November 9th in New Orleans. You should definitely register for that if you haven't already. We're actually way ahead of last year, so we're shaping up to be a terrific event. Go to OAS.net to sign up for that. Now let's get into this conversation. Well, Mark Blumenkrantz, welcome back to the podcast. Nice to be back, Tom. I, I feel like you are our most frequent guest. Uh, you're, you're, you're back here often, but you keep doing interesting things, so, so blame yourself. I'm, I'm not trying to monopolize your time. We're, we're here today to talk about uh, an area we don't talk about frequently uh, on the podcast, or, or much at all. It's the digital health space, and we obviously pay attention to that with uh, other events that we do at Healthogy. And we've talked about it at OIS before. But specifically, we want to talk about an upcoming event, and we'll get into that shortly. But how did you, uh, a clinician and uh, an accomplished entrepreneur in, in biotech and device, find your way, uh, transition at least partly over to digital health? It's not something 
you see it's not you're not you're not the type of person I see walking in the hallways of the digital healthcare conferences uh, that I that I attend. You know, it's an interesting thing that you ask. I, I think for me, it was kind of the confluence of a couple of factors. One is that uh, I really do, uh, I really do look at sort of cost and efficiency. You know, from my time as is a healthcare executive, if you will, running a department and and seeing patients and realizing that a lot of the things we did were you know incredibly inefficient uh, and and costly at the same time and and that they're just I thought there must be a better way and at the same time uh, just around the time that the smartphone was uh, introduced uh, you know by Apple 10 years ago 2007 um, uh, I realized that maybe there was something there that could address some of the problems that I I was uh, struggling with you know the electronic health record hadn't quite come into play we didn't t- we introduced it at Stanford around 2009 so we were early in the grand scheme of things but that didn't seem to solve a lot of the problems. It was, you know, it sort of codified things and provided uh, senior uh, hospital administration and and the, the financial people some really important tools. But but I think for the practicing physician, things were still very unsatisfactory. Uh, the, certainly, the user interface for those that era of technology was was very poor. Uh, and I think the phone offered that opportunity, and so I decided to get involved with it. And and it's been a very interesting ride. And you know, things are still. Easy. But I think everybody recognizes that this this uh, interface between a mobile technology and sort of the larger field of uh, health information technology, you know, combining together to uh, to form, you know, what people broadly refer to as digital health technology, uh, really was something important that maybe had a chance to really transform medicine in a way that we were struggling to, to try to piece together. Are you a tech guy? Are you setting up the wireless router in your, your house, or do you get one of your kids to do it? No, I'm definitely an end user. Uh, <laughs> I, I understand the technology. Uh, I appreciate the uh, elegance, and um, and I suppose there's a certain simplicity to it, but for most of us, it's not simple to use, and so um, I, I think the I would say that I'm a, 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 on the user side. I'm not on the on the uh, tech nerdy side, and I say that with all due respect for the fantastic people that are incredibly fluid uh, fluent uh, with doing those things. But I think that's the point: is that it needs to be available to people like uh, me and people who are even less tech uh, uh, enabled, mm-hmm. uh, so that it really works easily and well. And I think that's part of my goal is to make it if it works for me i'm thinking it'll work for most people <laughs> that's usually my 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 uh, bar as well do uh in, so in 2011 you uh you and daniel planker got together to form digicide what was the origin of that i know we've we talked about them on the podcast and at the meetings before but uh how did that all uh, how did that all form you know, it's a great story, and only in the sense that uh, we we did an extremely early pivot. We started doing, we started thinking about how you could use uh, uh, portable technology, um, and, and particularly, um, you know, uh, lightweight, low cost, um, uh, miniaturized um, digital imaging um, with smartphone functions. And one of the first things we thought about. Um, was the, to assist people who had vision disabilities, you know, by creating something that now looks a lot like Google Glass. But, but then came along the the uh, Great Recession, and we realized that uh, we we needed to put our plans on a hold for a while. And by the time uh, things sorted out from that, we we I started to inject on a very regular basis 
lots and lots of patients, you know, with um, Lucentis and Ilea and eventually a Flibercept. And, and, and I realized that doing, uh, if we had a means uh, to monitor uh, vision, visual function in some form, whether it's acuity or other measures of, of visual function, in between visits, uh, I'd have a better handle on how my patients were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was the genesis of Digisite was to be able to do home monitoring. Now it's grown quite a bit since that time uh, to the extent that it embraces the sort of more of the totality of uh, digital um, health technology, including image taking imaging taking images, some you know, early analytical functions, uh, a number of other features. But I think that was the genesis, was to help patients. I mean, it's always the same. It's, you start with a, the patient, then you start with a, a problem, an unsolved need, unmet need, um, and you sort of try to, to put those things together. And usually there's, a, there's an interesting opportunity uh, to do, uh, to do some, something that uh, can benefit everybody and also be interesting commercially. But you, you said it yourself, you're an end user, you're, you're, you're the ultimate customer of a, of a product that Digisite would create. How does someone with, with that level of understanding know how to start this company, understand the business plan, understand what, who the customers will be? I mean, it, it sounds like it's, it's completely different than, than medtech and, and biotech. Uh, how do you yeah. Make yeah, well, you know, so, Tom, I, I would say to you that I think at some level, uh, when you're looking about organizing um, uh, entities uh, to accomplish goals, it really is all the same. You know, it starts with a need. It starts with, uh, uh, you know, what, what uh, technology is available. How do you finance it? How do you protect it? Uh, how do you uh, find good leadership? So I found, you know, over the course of my career that, you know, and I've moved back and forth between uh, drugs and devices and, and now, of course, uh, uh, digital technology as well. And I think, I think the core principles are really the same, all those things I outlined. Um, I think it's just a question of organizing uh, things into buckets, you know, understanding that you've got to go out and find the very best people uh, that can do those things well. You know, whether it's a coder or whether it's a protein engineer or whether it's a, uh, you know, a, 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 someone that, a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, whatever. And then you, and then you pull it together. I don't, I don't think it's different than any fundamental, fundamentally different than any type of business, both profit and nonprofit. I think it's true in the industrial world. And, you know, if you look at some of these really fabulous diversified companies, I mean, Google is an example. I mean, and you think about what they've accomplished that's so far beyond search engines initially and, and, or universities, you know, uh, departments, nonprofits, where you have to, you have different sorts of enterprises, you know, the healthcare, the research, the teaching. And so, so I think it's just basically, you know, having a, having a core management philosophy about how do you, how do you organize uh, things and uh, and I think that's I just tried to apply those same principles uh, to this area although I didn't know much about it and you know to some extent it didn't really exist as a field at that time. That's great. And how, I'm just curious how much uh, financing has Digisite raised and, and how far along is it in its development? Oh, uh, okay. Well, well, I don't know. I'll say that it's it's raised uh, at this point in time. It's uh, it's raised you know in in uh, eight figures. Um, worth of financing. It's uh, it's making very good progress. I think what we're seeing with Digisite, which is true for all the other companies that are working in mobile health, both within ophthalmology and particularly outside of ophthalmology, is that we're coming to understand that, you know, I, 
I think apps are kind of a very limited thing. I think the initial conception, you know, for the company when it was formed was that we would produce a cool app that could be distributed on, you know, the from the uh, iTunes store mm-hmm. or from uh, on an Android platform, and people would just download it, and that would be it. And I think it became clear as we were working that uh, it needed to be more than that to be commercially viable and to be really useful, frankly, to physicians. And so we incorporated image-taking capabilities. Then we incorporated, you know, secure transmission of data, storage and transmission of data. And then we uh, we added to that and uh, further, um, an, you know, additional analytics and uh, and then integration uh, with existing healthcare records and then other features. So I think it's grown, you know, in a sense, into what it, all of these companies need to be. Um, uh, if you're going to, and let me, let me qualify that by saying, I think that there are, there's going to become sort of a division between things that are device, you know, devices, you know, the internet of things, if you will, connected network devices and sort of larger platforms, you know, platform technology. And I would say that, that at least in the case of Digicite, I think it's become a platform technology and uh, ophthalmic digital health, and that could encompass many other things uh, that we're thinking about now and that uh, that will further allow us, us to scale the company so that it really is uh, an extremely uh, useful tool. I would think, and this seems obvious, that ophthalmology would be the perfect specialty to, to have a, a clinical application for digital health or something connected to the eye because you can access the eye directly. You can, you can get a picture of it. You can look into it. Uh, you can send an image to someone. Is that, that's my, that's the layman's perception. Is, is that true? And do you, is there a lot of interest from other, uh, clinicians, other ophthalmologists about creating their own ideas in, in the digital health space? Are you, are you talking to others because there's so much interest there and because the eye is so accessible for digital health technology? Yeah, you know, I think the wonderful thing for me, looking back at you know my career and the career of my colleagues and the people that I respect, is that the eye is a, is a it's a it's a beautiful thing, if you will, in so many different ways. In terms of the elegance, you know, the way the eye itself is organized, just in terms of the physiology and anatomy, but it's also a tremendous test system for medicine. And if you go back and you're sort of a student of the history of technology or the history of medicine. You, you quickly realize that ophthalmology has always occupied a special niche in, in the development of medical technology, and it has to do with the things that you just mentioned, Tom. Um, it's small, you know, it's located, it's kind of outside the mainstream, so uh, in a sense you can get to it uh, very easily, whereas it's a little harder to get to the liver or a kidney. Uh, the second thing is you can see it, you know, and and then you can actually look inside it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also easy to measure things. So if you wanted to test any type of technology, let's, you know, let's look back at the history of, of uh, technology in, in medicine. And you realize that right away, um, when lasers were introduced, um, that was really, um, ophthalmology was really the first indication. And of course, they're across all medical specialties. If you look at other areas, um, such as um, uh, local drug delivery, in this case, intravitreal injections. If you look at things like evolving areas like gene therapy, if you look at um, things like uh, outpatient surgery, use the use of outpatient surgery, if you look at uh, mechanized 
uh, uh, microsurgery, the use of infusion cannulas, lights, and so forth and so on. Again, over and over and over again, there's this recurring theme that if you can do it in the eye, first of all, it's easier in a way to do it in the eye because you can see what you're doing. And then in a way, it's also harder to do it in the eye because it's so small and, and you have to have so mm-hmm. much greater precision. So if you can solve problems in the eye, they're, generally speaking, you can apply them to other parts of the body. And that's why it's, it's really a privilege and really a great opportunity also uh, to be able to solve things first here because we pretty much assume that if we get it right, other people will, it will enable other people to move a little faster and it will prove, you know, concept, if you will, in humans that this can be done. Hey, Tom here. Just want to take a quick break from this conversation with Mark Blumacrantz to once again remind you to attend OIS and AAO. It's happening on November 9th in New Orleans. Uh, we don't have the agenda up yet on the website, but I'll tell you what, it's uh, it's going to have a lot of neat features. Uh, Gil Kleiman has a great idea that I think will uh, really encourage a lot of uh, uh, audience participation. So definitely you should attend. Go to OIS.net. Sign up for the November 9th OIS at AAO. As I mentioned at the top, uh, our numbers are looking very strong for registration, so it's it's sure to be a terrific event. Now back to this conversation with Mark Blumenkrantz. Well, it certainly appears as if uh, uh, the digital health is, is gaining a strong foot in, uh, in ophthalmology. We're going to get into the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop in a minute, something you've, you've helped put together. But uh, recently on uh, on social media, there was a, an article posted by a, a VC, Rob Coppage, who uh, the headline at least declared that uh, digital health is dead. And uh, it was speaking more to, I think, the wearables, more to uh, things that are on the on the administrative side and maybe the consumer side, less within the, the doctor's offices. But uh, in, within the article, it was actually it was, it went a lot deeper than the headline. So Rob perhaps didn't write the headline. But from your perspective, what's the state of, of digital health from, from what you're seeing? You, you must be seeing a, a lot of opportunity to work to put together to something like the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop, which we'll, again, get into in a moment. Yeah, well, you know, it's like the famous quip by the, you know, the humorous that that the rumors of my death are greatly <laughs> exaggerated. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know people are always ready to to uh, uh, make a call that says this is dead or that's dead or this is out of favor and so forth. And you know, to some extent, I think that's really, uh, you know. It's an it's an exaggeration. I think it does make a point, which is that I think what people are probably really saying or should be saying is that it is a challenge, and it's not easy, uh, and that we're starting to confront you know second and third order issues. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that it's valuable. Uh, I think it would be very hard for any reasonable person to quibble that it doesn't provide value. Now, the question is, how much value does it provide relative to the cost and the complexity? And that's where I think people struggle. And it's no great secret that people are struggling with the business model. Who pays how much uh, and um, and what do you get? And I think that's where people are still working on it. You know, does the uh, because there are you know there are always three parties to the equation. There's the uh, there's the patient, there's the payer, and there's and there's the um, and the, the 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 doctor or the deliverer of the healthcare system. And all of them have a vested interest in making healthcare more accessible, higher quality, 
and you know more efficient or lower cost depending on your perspective and i think that's where on the one hand you can see the greatest potential benefit on the other hand at the end of the day somebody the buck has to stop somewhere and that's really where the problem occurs is where does the buck stop or where does the buck come from and and i think that hasn't been solved yet i think you know people have to be convinced um, that uh, that if you spend a dollar today, you'll save two dollars tomorrow, and um, and I think that we need to work hard on trying to show that that in fact is correct thinking, and 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 there need to be examples and there need to be exits. You know, I think oftentimes the markets look to exits as a validation for uh, whether or not people are on to the right thing or not, and I think that's one thing that we're still waiting for is a couple of the really big exits that announce you know, in neon lights that, uh, yes, this is for real and people are willing to pay a lot um, to use it and they're willing to pay a lot to acquire these companies. And that's where uh, I think we're still waiting a little bit. Agreed. And I think a lot of those will come from these uh, startups that deal more on the clinical side of things and can find some footing in medtech or, or biotech. And, and the FDA, and we'll get into this now, the FDA is with Scott Gottlieb as commissioner has been making a, a lot of uh, – efforts to uh, reach out to the digital health community to really codify the, the, the regulations that, that will guide digital health going forward. And, and that we're, we've got coming up on October 23rd, the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop, which uh, is brought together, I think, every clinical uh, society that uh, touches ophthalmology for a day-long event to talk about uh, digital health, and it's got some great names in there. Let's let's, including yours. Let's talk. Let's get to the beginning. How did this come together, and, and what is the uh, what is the purpose of the day? Yeah. So I, so I think that it goes without saying that that uh, you know, when you're it depends on whether how you define a mobile health, whether it falls. I, I think it it falls into two spectrum essentially a spectrum if you will you know health information technology and also devices and i think they both come together and i think that um we realized that everyone was looking for guidance as to what's going to be regulated what's not going to be regulated what are the what's the definition you know of of an app is an app something that uh, or an or an extension of an app uh something that that um, um, has significant risk and what are the significant risks um, and it just uh, became increasingly clear that that uh, everyone who's involved in this space needs to fully understand this because the regulatory pathway is one of the key pathways for anyone who's trying to develop technology or for that matter uh, to use technology and to feel comfortable with it and so we've had really great leadership uh, at the FDA and certainly within our own ophthalmic medical devices uh, area, Malvina Edelman and her group there, and, and, and certainly working with others, Wiley Chambers and so forth in the ophthalmic space, have really given a lot of clarity, I think, uh, in, in various presentations and, and in some of the product feedback they've given to sort of what are the key issues that people who work in this area um, and people who use this technology should be thinking about. You know, and uh, and that's where, that was the genesis of this. And, and um and so people got together, a group of people who were interested and concerned got together and said, wouldn't it be great if we could put together all the, a lot of the key stakeholders, uh, both in terms of people who attended and also in terms of people who spoke at the conference, and to answer a lot of the questions, you know, even just to something as simple as what is 
uh, a mobile device. How do you define it? You know, what is significant risk? What is the regulatory pathway uh, to bring that to market? Um, what are the implications for safety? And when we talk about safety, you know, we we worry about you know mechanical, uh, electrical harm or photic injury, but it also the safety encompasses things like cybersecurity and privacy, HIPAA. And um, and then how do you how do you put that all together and sort of ha- have a holistic understanding of of the area? That's what uh, we hope to address um, in the um, in this uh, uh, workshop, which is going to be held uh, October 23rd in Gaithersburg, very you know nearby uh, the Washington hub. So we think it's an exciting opportunity, and that anybody who's working in this area or interested in this area. Uh, and possibly working in it, uh, whether you're large established companies or users, physicians, um, uh, finance, uh, all everybody has a vested stake in understanding this better, and and we're and in frankly engaging in a dialogue, and that's mm-hmm. the beauty of a workshop is that uh, it's not a series of lectures, although there are a couple of didactic, you know, informative lectures, but I think most of the workshop is really devoted to asking important questions and then engaging uh, you know with an informed group that is people both on the podium and on the panels and also in the audience as to what, where do you see things going you know I don't think it's going to answer specific questions about somebody bringing product A or product B to the market but mm-hmm. I think it will sort of address that in a more general way well you are getting into you know you're starting off with uh, accelerating innovation uh in this space you've got it, I, I can't go over all the speakers it will we'll post the uh the website on uh-huh. uh, on the podcast page so people can take a look at it but you're covering uh, innovation telemedicine uh, advanced analytics machine learning uh patient interface it seems like you're covering uh everything that that connects to to digital health, and you're you're on a uh, panel at one o'clock, and you're going to be moderating this panel talking about the safety and effectiveness concerns for ophthalmic digital health devices. So, what are those those concerns uh, in that space? What are some of the areas you'll be talking about? Sure. Well, again, we're talking about the safety. I mean, there's the question: is could a person be hurt by using it? You know, something as simple as is the light too bright? Uh, you know, is there something? Uh, Related to voltage or mechanical and so forth, and that those are, are relatively small. I think I think a lot of the safety concerns really uh, revolve around: Are you really doing what you say you're doing, and are things that you're doing um, could they be in some way um, validated and verified? So. For instance, if you say we've got a new technology, we'll, we'll step outside ophthalmology for a second and look at something else. Let's say it's a it's a way of diagnosing uh, lesions on the skin uh, and and trying to determine whether uh, they're benign or malignant, and if they are malignant, what type of malignancy they are. You know, it could be uh, in the eye. That could be the same thing. We could be looking at something along the lines of uh, automated uh, machine learning, AI enabled diabetic retinopathy detection. Uh, and does you know does the uh, does it do what we say it can do? And that you know there's two components. Obviously, you've got to acquire the image, and then you have to analyze the image. And so it looks the regulatory pathway actually addresses both of those things. You know, is the quality of the image good enough to to grade? And then if you do have uh, a, a reasonably good quality image, can it reliably distinguish, let's say, between diabetic retinopathy? 
uh, and uh, the, uh, the, a normal eye or diabetic retinopathy in other conditions, let's say something along the lines of a retinal vein occlusion or macular degeneration. Those are the kind of things. And so that's safety because if you're claiming that um, you've got a way to do this and it, it takes the human out of it and you know now uh, a healthcare system could sort of, you know, in, for instance, uh, avoid sending people to, the, to an ophthalmologist, use a non-midriatic camera, use machine learning, and basically screen large populations. That's entirely feasible. We may very well be there in a, a couple of years or five years. Who's to say? We have we already have some uh, programs out there that seem to do it very well. But the question is putting it to the test, and that's the FDA's role is to ensure safety. You mm-hmm. know, for the, and, and I think that's that would be an example. And then you could get into much more you know, esoteric things like um, monitoring functions where you insert a sensor or something in the eye and you measure IOP on a intraocular pressure on a continuous basis. And there, there might be larger safety issues related to, is it safe to put a, you know, a sensing device inside the eye? And, and then, and then again, the same issue, is it reliable? Uh, Does it need to be explanted? And so, you know, later on and, or, and so I think all of those things are are the kind of things that people are thinking about. Some people are already doing these things, and and I think this just kind of sets uh, a little bit of a, a of a template out there for the regulatory framework um, and why you should, if you're in, if you're going to be doing this or you are doing it now, you know what you should be thinking about, what you should be, you know, frankly worrying about, so that you make sure that your product's as good mm-hmm. as you want it to be. So this this is a conference for innovative-minded physicians who are looking to develop a tool in this space, or is it, or is it for clinicians who just want to understand what uh, what the future holds in regards to new digital tools for treatment of patients? Well, all all of the above. I think it. Yeah, I think it's frankly would be very useful for people. I mean, most most uh, people who manufacture. Uh, medical devices for the eye are now all, you know, looking at there's probably not one large company that doesn't have a mobile strategy or is not evolving a mobile strategy, uh, even if they're, you know, founded 150 years ago, starting with precision lenses or some mechanical um, devices. And so I think it's for everybody. I think it's anybody who cares about uh, uh, ophthalmic digital medicine, um, and that would include people who deal mostly with data. Uh, you know, you can we can talk about this issue. We I sort of alluded to it earlier with diabetic retinopathy screening of software as a medical device. If you know it's the code itself, which doesn't really have a physical presence, that is that could be defined as a medical device if it's the intent of its use is to diagnose um, um, uh, or to assist in other meaningful ways in the in the detection um, um, diagnosis or. To the, to the treatment of patients, right? Um, and so in that regard, uh, I think some, there are probably people who um, who might not appreciate the extent to which it, it, um, it um, what you're working on could constitute a medical device. On the other hand, I think it's also clear that there are some things that don't fall into that um, into that framework mm-hmm. uh, that involve digital medicine, you know, for instance, storing and forwarding information without modifying it, for instance, or interfacing, let's say, between a personal device uh, and a larger electronic health record. Those sorts of things are not necessarily. I don't want to. I don't want to make any specific recommendations here, but just to try to sort out that there are some things that that clearly are regulated and some other things that. that 
are less regulated or not regulated. So I think that's part of it also is just a definitional aspect of things is really understanding what you need to be thinking about and what, you know, is less of a, an issue. Um, and, and what was the, the, the um, origin of this? Was it the FDA reaching out to the industry saying we want to hold this meeting or was it industry going to the FDA and saying, look, you really need, need to hold this meeting so we understand? Sure. Well, I think it's I think um, I think it's all of the above. I think we have an ophthalmic innovation program at Stanford, and as part of that, we have a relatively uh, regular uh, um, dialogue uh, with the FDA with regard to to the whole process of innovation and how how it can be taught as an academic discipline. And and in the context of those conversations, the, the idea came up: wouldn't it be great if we could actually have some sort of a a public forum. I mean, there's usually one or two or three or four talks at any of the large, you know, uh, societies where somebody discusses it. But there's never, to the best of my knowledge, been a single conference devoted devoted exclusively to ophthalmic um, digital health. Um, and we thought, well, well, why not? And so we reached out to a number of the other societies: the American Academy of Ophthalmology, Asteris, ASRS, American Academy of Pediatrics, APOS. I'm sure I'm forgetting a few people. Stanford sort of played a role just because we, because of our interest and in, and in, in leadership, I guess, in ophthalmic innovation, and so and it, and it sort of came together as an organic thing. And I think there, I have to tip my hat to the uh, to the FDA um, and the vision of ophthalmic devices for taking a leadership role and saying, yes, this is important and we want to get the word out. I think overall the FDA across all the different divisions has done a very good job of outreach going around the country, giving guidance, you know, which is evolving, you know, in presentations. I saw one three or four years ago at Stanford where they came by and it wasn't specifically devoted to ophthalmology, but it was the idea that mm-hmm. devices are coming. These, you know, these mobile devices are coming. Here's what you should be thinking about. And this is, I think this is the, a logical extension where it's really, we've really drilled down just into our specific industry. And I think that's what makes it unique and, and, and also important. And lastly, I see Inve- uh, Leslie Botarf will be there, so there'll be investors there as well. So it, it's really open for anybody in the uh, innovative ecosystem with digital health and ophthalmology. Yeah, I think it's all stakeholders. I mean, there's so many different stakeholders. The payers, you know, are stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Clinicians, you know, healthcare systems are stakeholders. Certainly medical device manufacturers, you know, traditional ma- manufacturers who are developing a mobile strategy. I think small companies and entrepreneurs and, and uh, academics. I think it's what we want to do is get the best people in the room. And you don't have to be... I, and by that, I mean the best minds uh, and people who are most interested and put them all together and at the end of the day, come away with some interesting, I think some of the learnings will be the questions that are posed from the audience, for instance, as to what about this, what about that, what about this? Um, and then similarly, just getting out there what is known. Not all of this is easy to access. It's you know I think it's very convenient to have people go and you, you devote eight hours and at the end of that time you really are much better informed on an area that you know is pretty technical i mean the regulations let's face it you know are, are these are regulations and and so they're codified and and they have and they carry the force of law if you will um and so in that regard it's also very useful to sort of you know it's kind of one-stop shopping if you want a primer on how this you know how this whole system works and it obviously you can't accomplish everything in a in the course of a single day or a conference but it does it does 
provide you know a lot of different different pieces of information sort of brought together in a single setting. So I like it, and it's been a great thing for me just to be involved in helping to put it together with a number of other people. It's a very large group effort, you know, from all the subspecialty societies as well as the FDA. Um, and I think in the course of of teaching, you actually learn more than you teach, uh, which is, you know, a great thing. That's great. Well, I don't, we don't mind sharing you, I guess, uh, as long as you promise to be in New Orleans on November 9th at OAS at AAO. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, well thank Tom, thank you for, for taking the time to talk about this. I do think it's an, it's an important subject, and I think it's it, it needs to, it need, there needs to be a bright light shining on it so that uh, uh, it gets the attention that it deserves. And again, it's, it's Monday, October 23rd. And uh, it is at the Holiday Inn in Gaithersburg, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. That is correct. Terrific. Thanks for taking the time today, Mark. Okay, thank you, Tom. Have a good day. And that is a wrap. Thank you, OIS Podcast listeners, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Mark Blumenkrantz, for joining us and telling your tale of digital health and ensuring us that it is not, in fact, dead. And, of course, thanks for your your work in putting together the Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop. Once again, it's happening on October 23rd in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Just go to Google, Google Ophthalmic Digital Health Workshop forwards, and you'll uh, you'll find a way to register. And, again, you should be there. And, finally, of course, sign up for OIS at AAO. Go to OIS.net. It's happening on November 9th in New Orleans. Turning out to be a great day. As for the podcast, please do remember to give us a ranking on iTunes. We would love to uh, have more people find the podcast, and that really helps them do that. Shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Healthag, of course, produces the OIS events as well as this podcast. Finally, track me down on Twitter. I'm at MedTechTom, tweeting all day long about MedTech, ophthalmology, and the Red Sox. That's a wrap, folks. Thanks for joining us on the OIS podcast. Tune in next week for another great tale of innovation and sign up for OIS at AAO and we'll see you in New Orleans.